let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb. How do you tell a mother that her son is dead and he's not coming back to life? How do you tell her that all the medical technology in the world can't save her son? How do you tell a mother that the situation is hopeless? That was the dilemma facing Dr. Kent Sutterer on January 19th, 2015 at St. Joseph's Hospital West in Missouri, USA, when an ambulance brought the dead body of 14-year-old John Smith into the hospital, Dr. Sutterer did everything he could to revive the boy. Even though John Smith had been lifeless for nearly 30 minutes, the doctor still performed CPR, hoping to restore John's breathing and get his heart going again. But after a further 27 minutes of CPR, there was no sign of life. No breath, no pulse, no movement. John Smith was dead. He'd been dead for 45 minutes. So Dr. Sutterer called John's mother, Joyce Smith, into the emergency room to give her the news that John had died. But when Joyce Smith entered the room, she did not know her son was dead. She did not know that for the last 45 minutes there had been no breath, no pulse, no movement. She only knew that her son needed God. She knew that nothing is impossible with God. So when the doctor called her into the room, she marched over to John's bed and laid her hands on him and started praying. She cried out to God, Lord, heal my son. Lord Jesus, send the Holy Spirit to raise him him up. And suddenly, as Joyce Smith prayed, God answered and a miracle took place. John's heart started beating. The medical staff jumped into action. A pulse was found and John started breathing again. After being dead for 45 minutes, John Smith had come back to life. Dr. Sutterer later said, I had exhausted all interventions in my scientific armamentarium without even a hint of success. I was preparing myself to give a mother the final bad news that her son was gone from this world. She called on God and God brought him back. I was privileged to witness a miracle. Today, John has completely recovered from his death. Next month, he graduates from Bible college and is entering into full-time ministry as a pastor because John wants to tell people everywhere about the power of Jesus Christ to restore anyone and anything at any time. He wants to help bring others from death to life by sharing the new life offered through Jesus Christ. For you see, what happened to John Smith can happen to anyone, anywhere, because Jesus died and rose again. Anyone who calls on him can be redeemed from sin and death. Anyone who calls on Jesus can be released from every bondage. With Jesus, every hopeless situation can be turned around. See, friends, the fact is God is in the miracle-working business. God is in the business of turning hopeless situations around. And to everyone today who feels hopeless, to everybody who thinks they've reached the end, God is the answer. He can resurrect your life and resurrect your dreams and resurrect your marriage and turn your hopeless situation 
around. That's the message for you today. We're going to study the Word of God and discover a man who faced an absolute loss of all hope. There was no way out, nowhere else to turn. Yet in his darkest hour, King Hezekiah found a way to turn his hopeless situation around. And when he did, it changed not only his life, but also the lives of countless others as well. But before we uncover the truth for today, let's bow our heads and pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we thank you and glorify you today because you are a miracle-working God. You are the God of the impossible, the God who turns our hopeless situations around. So I ask for each and every one of us today that's facing discouragement, that's facing defeat or darkness or depression, everyone who's had a loss of hope, I pray that a living hope will be born again in us, that you will restore us and renew us and resurrect resurrect us in the mighty name of Jesus. I submit to you right now. I bind every voice of the devil that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit, the power to bring light and life and love and living hope back to our hearts. We thank you by faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I want to invite you to take a moment and join your faith with mine right now. Put your hand on your chest and pray after me. Say, Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome once again to Agape House. It's great to have you here with us as we worship the Lord Jesus. From the beginning of this year till now, the Holy Spirit has been speaking to us and ministering to us by his mighty power and by his word. We're walking in faith, not by sight. We're not depending upon what we see around us, but on what God says. This is our year to prevail. This is a year of progress. We're we're taking new territories and expanding into new levels of faith. This is a time when God is pouring out his spirit in a new way to equip us so that we can follow him fully. And as we sit in his presence today, God is reminding us once again of the fact that nothing is impossible with God. God sent me to encourage you today that he is with you. He sent me to let you know that he's risen from the dead to bring you into a living hope. We know there will be opposition. There will be trials and difficulties. But with God on our side and the truth in our heart, we have all the resources we need to keep walking by faith. Even if things seem hopeless, even if things seem impossible, we serve a God of resurrection power. He's a God who can turn hopeless situations around. That's the truth we find in our story in our scripture text today. You'll find your text at the top of your sermon notes. They're inside your bulletin. If you're joining us online, you can get those downloaded for free from our website and our social media platforms. So go ahead and take out your notes now and follow along with me as we discover three steps to turning hopeless situations around. And there's our text at the top. It's Isaiah 38, 1 to 6. Now receive the word of the Lord. About that time, Hezekiah became deathly ill, and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to visit him. He gave the king this message. This is what the Lord says. Set your affairs in order, for you are going to die. You will not recover from this illness. 
When Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, Remember, O Lord, how I've always been faithful to you and have served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. Then he broke down and wept bitterly. Then this message came to Isaiah from the Lord. Go back to Hezekiah and tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will add 15 years to your life and I will rescue you and this city from the king of Assyria. Yes, I will defend this city. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your heart today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Our story begins with the king of Judah, Hezekiah, lying ill on the bed. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly what type of sickness he had or where it came from, but we know it was serious. The Bible says Hezekiah was deathly ill. And to make matters worse, the greatest prophet in the nation, Isaiah, one of the greatest prophets ever, came for a visit. Now, at first, when Hezekiah saw Isaiah walking into his room, the king must have been excited. He must have thought to himself, hey, the man of God has come. Now things are going to be okay. The great man, the great prophet, Isaiah, has come to pray for me. So imagine he's shook when Isaiah pronounces a word from God, you will die. Hey, prepare yourself. There's no hope. It's over. You won't get better. Can you imagine the shock and the discouragement and the loss of hope this news brought to Hezekiah? This was the worst fate any man could face. God said it through the greatest prophet of the day. You will die. God said it, the same God who spoke the universe into existence. This is the same God who created heaven and earth. And this prophet was no roadside prophet from Ajete. This was the greatest prophet of his day, the prophet of the nation, the prophet Isaiah. He was always right, always accurate, always had integrity. And when Isaiah opened his mouth and said, thus saith the Lord, people listened. They knew it would come to pass. And friends, there could be nothing worse than this. If a doctor tells you you're sick, you can still recover. You can get a second opinion. You can fly to London and try a different medicine. If a lawyer tells you the case is lost, you can always appeal. If a lady tells you it's over, you can always do what you can to win her back. If a coach tells you you can't play again, you can go and join another team. But where will you go and what will you do when God Almighty he says, it's finished. Where will you go? What will you do? How will you survive? I mean, if God says it's over, how do you hope again? If God tells you in advance, you won't make it, how do you pray? Where will you find the courage and the strength to get up to even call on God? And the most baffling thing of all about this death sentence is that it seems so unfair. It came from nowhere and hit Hezekiah in the face. If somehow this sickness was his fault, if there was some sin in him, he could have repented. If he'd sinned, he could have turned to God and begged for mercy. But there's nothing in the Bible that tells us Hezekiah sinned. There's no record he did anything wrong. He did not deserve this death sentence. And after all, he wasn't an old man. He was still in the stage of life where he could still do things for God. In fact, 
this death sentence came to Hezekiah in the middle of his life. He was doing well. His nation was doing well. He was ruling well. They had just experienced a great victory over their enemies. Things were looking up for Hezekiah and for the nation. But the fact is sometimes bad things happen even to good people. Sometimes you get hit the hardest right when you're moving forward. Sometimes we face the greatest temptation and the greatest battle right after a victory. A trial comes out of nowhere and hits us in the head. We don't deserve it. We didn't earn it. But there it is. Yet we serve a God who can turn every hopeless situation around. We serve the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. All power is his, and no matter what you face, no matter how hopeless things may seem, he can turn it around in a moment. So today, let me share with you three steps you can take to turn hopeless situations around. And here's your first step today. Hope in God's mercy. Everybody say, I hope in God's mercy. Listen to how Hezekiah reacts to the bad news from the prophet. In verse 2, the Bible says, When Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. So in spite of God's decision, Hezekiah did not give up. In spite of the prophet's word, Hezekiah did not lose heart. In spite of how things looked, Hezekiah didn't lose heart and give up. In spite of it all, he kept pressing. And for anyone and everyone today who's facing a hopeless situation, I say to you, do not give up. That's why the Bible says in Job 17, 9, the righteous keep moving forward and those with clean hands become stronger and stronger so the righteous keep on moving forward even in the midst of trials even in the midst of unexplained setbacks the righteous keep moving forward when things seem hopeless the righteous keep moving forward when their expectation is cut short the righteous keep moving forward not only in the good times but in the difficult times for no matter what problem you're facing today I declare to you my God is greater. No matter the source or the strength of your enemy, God wants to resurrect hope in you today. He can turn your hopeless situations around. If you believe it, say amen. That's what Hezekiah believed. And here he is with a death sentence. Here he is dying. And it seems even God has abandoned him. But Hezekiah understood something. He knew that no matter how low you fall, God's mercy will go lower and pick you up. Even when God says it's over, you can cry out to him and he will hear your prayer. Even when situations seem hopeless, there's always hope with God. You can call on him at any time, in any situation, and he can deliver you. You can always hope in God's mercy. That's what the Bible tells us over and over again. Listen to some of the word of God right now, declaring the great mercy of our God. Psalm 86, 15 says, You, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. James 5, 11 says, The Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. Ephesians 2, 4, the Bible says, God is so rich in mercy. And I'm here to encourage you today, 
there is mercy in the Lord. There is overwhelming mercy in him. He is rich in mercy. When things look hopeless, he's a merciful God. When he closes the door, you can still appeal. He can turn it all around. You can hope in God and hope in his mercy and hope in him alone. That's why Hezekiah turned his face to the wall. By turning his face to the wall, he was turning his back to human help. He was turning his back to the doctor. He was turning his back to the man of God. He was turning his back to anybody and everybody and saying, God, I'm only hoping in you. There's no other way out, but I'm hoping in you and you alone. And that's why I believe today there is hope for you. The devil may tell you that you're bound and you can't be free, but my God is greater than the devil. Your enemy may tell you that you're fired, but your enemy isn't God. Fear may tell you that you're going to die or your family will be destroyed, but fear is not God. There is always hope in God. You may not find hope in man. You may not find hope in the doctor. You may not find hope in the lawyer. You may not find hope in the banker. You may not find hope in the government, but there is hope in God. Hallelujah. That's the amazing lesson we can learn from the true story of gospel singer Travis Green. When Travis Green was born, he was not breathing. His skin color turned purple, and the doctor said he was stillborn. But Travis' father and mother were people of faith who followed Jesus, and they both immediately started praying for their son to breathe and live. In his great mercy, God performed a miracle, and Travis came to life. But that was not the end of his testimony. When Travis was four years old, he fell out of the fourth floor window of the apartment building where he lived, and he died again. His little body hit the concrete, and Travis was gone. The emergency medical personnel put a white sheet over his corpse, and the doctor pronounced him dead. But once again, Travis' mother refused to accept defeat. Once again, she cried out to God. In his mercy, God answered. When there was no hope from man, she called the name of Jesus twice and pleaded the blood of Jesus, and Travis Green came back to life. God restored his life twice and raised him up to restore others. Today, Travis Green is a successful gospel artist and a pastor. He travels the world with a message of hope and teaches people to trust in God's mercy. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you. Don't lean on your ability. Don't lean on your prayers. Don't lean on the man of God. Lean on God himself. For the truth is, God is able to turn your hopeless situation around. That's why Hebrews 7, 24 and 26 tells us Jesus is able to save completely. Somebody say completely. Jesus is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our need. And I'm here to tell you today that Jesus is able to save you totally, completely, 100%. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall. He turned away from every other help. He did not trust in the man of God. He didn't trust in the ways of man. He put his hope in God's mercy. And when he turned his face to the wall and prayed, in his prayer we find the second step you can take to turn your hopeless situation around. Live in God's truth. Everybody say live in God's truth. Listen to what Hezekiah prays in verse 3. 
Remember, O Lord, how I have always been faithful to you and have served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. Now, at first, when you read this prayer, it seems like a contradiction to the first step Hezekiah took. At first, it can appear as if Hezekiah is not relying on the mercy of God, but rather on his own good works. Hezekiah has put his hope in God's mercy, yet here he is proclaiming his good works and his faithfulness and his sincere service to God in prayer. But this is where we need to understand the balance in God's truth today. To turn hopeless situations around, you have to depend entirely on the mercy of God, yet at the same time, your life will turn around when you live in God's truth. See, a lot of people today don't understand the balance in God's word. At Agape, we believe in balance. Many people don't understand us. They see our modern style and they think we're liberal, but we believe in holiness. Somebody say amen. They see our rules and think we're legalistic, but we believe in grace. Jesus is grace and truth. Jesus is mercy and justice. He's not one or the other, and his church must learn to live in the balance of grace and truth, justice and mercy. Here at Agape House, we welcome sinners, and we welcome you to change. We love everyone, and we have security cameras everywhere. And in this place of balance, we find the key to turning hopeless situations around. There are battles you face that only God can deliver you from. There are bondages that only a miracle can set you free. There's nothing you can do and no way you can earn the mercy of God. If it's mercy, you can't earn it. The truth is we can never earn our salvation. Titus 3, 4, and 5 says, When God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we'd done, but because of his Mercy, everybody say mercy. So hear me and hear me well. We can never earn God's mercy. If we earn it, it's not mercy, it's a wage or a reward. God's grace can never be earned, but we can earn God's reward. We can earn God's blessings. There are things you and I can do right now that will open up God's favor and blessing upon us. And this understanding is at the heart of Hezekiah's prayer. Listen to his prayer again. Remember, O Lord, how I have always been faithful to you and have served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. He's not demanding from God, but he understands that God is just and righteous, and that God has promised to bless the righteous. We see this same truth in the story of the Roman centurion Cornelius. Cornelius needed God's mercy. He was a Roman. He was outside the kingdom of God. He was a sinner and needed salvation. And it was only God's mercy that could save him. There was no act, no prayer, no gift, no work that Cornelius could do to get the blood of Jesus to cover him. Nevertheless, listen to what God himself tells us in Acts 10.31. Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. God looked down and saw his lifestyle, his faith, and his humility, and God honored Cornelius. This is the same truth we learn from Jesus in Luke 21, 36, when he said, watch and pray always that you may be counted worthy, that you may be counted worthy 
to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of God. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you. Trials and storms will come in life, and when they do, you need the mercy of God to deliver you. But you also need to know that living in God's truth prepares you to endure the storm. Deuteronomy 28 is a clear evidence of God's truth in balance, of how God's truth brings his blessing. Listen to Deuteronomy 28, 1 to 2. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. In other words, it's the obedient that get the blessing. And Hezekiah could face the wall and pray for God's mercy because he was already living a godly life. He was no stranger to faith. He was no stranger to prayer. He had built a life of service to God and he was prepared when the storm came. That's the lesson we can learn from the young man who worked on a farm. Once upon a time, a young man came to a farmer looking for work. He asked the farmer for a job. The farmer asked him, well, what can you do? The young man said, well, I can do whatever has to be done and I can sleep when the storms come. The farmer was confused. What does he mean I can sleep when the storms come? What, what, what is that? What is that? I don't know what you're talking about. The farmer didn't know what he meant, but he needed help on the farm, and the young man seemed strong and able, so he hired him. A few nights later, a violent storm came down on the farm, and the farmer woke up in a start. He was worried and panicked with the wind blowing and the rain beating. He thought of his equipment. He thought of his animals, so he rushed to the young man and tried to wake him. Help me, help me, there's a storm. But the young man was so fast asleep, the old farmer couldn't wake him up. So the farmer rushed outside to try to take care of everything. And in the middle of the storm, when he went outside, he saw that all the animals were locked up safely and all the equipment was put away and everything was prepared for the storm. So even though the storm was raging, there was no harm done to the livestock or the equipment. And then the farmer understood what the young man meant when he said, I can sleep when the storms come. Because the young man had prepared ahead of time for the storm, he could sleep peacefully when it came. So let me ask you a question today. Can you sleep in the storm? Do you know that you've done all God requires of you so that when the storms come, you're not a stranger in his presence? Do you know that you're living in God's truth so that when the bad news comes, you will not be shaken, you will not be stopped, you will not turn back? If you were in an airplane flying at 35,000 feet to London and suddenly there's a fire on board and smoke begins to fill the cabin, people are screaming, the plane starts to dive down, you know you have seconds left to live, what would you do? Do you begin to pray, oh God, forgive me for watching that pornographic movie. Oh God, forgive me for stealing from my boss. Oh God, forgive me for lying to my wife. Oh God, I'm a sinner, save me, hey! Or do you pray, hallelujah, Jesus, here I come. Just another minute, I'll be with you. I'm almost there. The heaven's gates are opening. I'm coming, Jesus, I'm coming. 
If you're on a bus on the way to Kumasi and suddenly the tire blows and the bus driver loses control and you know you're going to crash, what do you do? Do you start crying and repenting? I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me. If you start repenting when you face danger, you are backslidden. But if you start praising God and lifting your hands, it means you have the confidence to face the storm because you're living in the truth and trusting God's mercy. Prayer is more than just an emergency release valve. Prayer is a way of life. Let me reassure you today, if you're here today and you're bound by ancestral bondage, there is freedom for you in Christ. The name and authority of Jesus Christ can deliver you from every demonic stronghold in your family. If you're here today and you're bound by drugs or, or alcohol or immorality or pornography, then know today and believe today that the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse you and deliver you from the chains of your addiction. If you're here today and you're caught up in lying and stealing, and you're living a life of deception and darkness, then God's mercy can reach you and God's mercy can save you and God's mercy can change you. You can be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. There is no bondage he cannot break. There is no force he cannot overcome. There is no trap that God cannot set you free from. There is no lock he cannot pick. No door he cannot open. No boulder he cannot move. No tomb he cannot empty. Nothing he cannot change. No destiny he cannot redeem. But know this as well. God wants more for you than a cycle of sin, repent, sin, repent, sin, repent, sin, repent. Every day sin, every day repent. He wants more. He wants to set you free by the power of his mercy so you can live free every day. He shows us mercy so we can walk in the truth moment by moment. That's why Luke 1, 74 to 75 says, we have have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. God rescues us so we can serve him. God rescues us in his mercy so we can live in holiness and righteousness. Somebody say amen. See, some of us are so desperate. Deliver me from my enemy. Deliver me from my enemy. God delivers you and you go right back to the sin that got you caught by your enemy. And you pray again, God deliver me, God deliver me. And you go right back to the sin that has held you and ensnared you. But I'm here to tell you the mercy of God will cleanse you and the truth of God will keep you free and living in in the freedom of God. If you believe it, say amen. You don't need to go from one disaster to another. You can build a life on the solid truth of God's word so that you can live a better life. If you believe it, say amen. See, the reason so many of us always need a miracle is because we often don't walk away from the things that bring us trouble. The reason so many people always need so much deliverance is because we have no basis for our hope other than the mercy of God because we're not living in the truth. The prayer camps are full. The prophet's chambers are full. Churches offering miracles are full because we fail to live in the truth that prepares us for the storm. But the Bible says the righteous have a reason to hope.
That's why Proverbs 28.1 says, the righteous are as bold as a lion. The righteous are bold as a lion, bold to ask, bold to believe, bold to pray, because the righteous live according to God's truth. The righteous have a reason to hope because God has promises for the righteous. Hezekiah could dare ask for a reprieve from death because he lived according to God's truth. And when you live according to God's truth, you can ask for anything. You will pray big, bold prayers based on big, bold promises. You won't need to simply get stirred because a prophet decreed it. You'll be stirred because the almighty God promised it. Too many people today are relying on the word of a prophet more than on the word of almighty God. If a prophet says it, then they get excited, but they have no relationship with God, and they don't hear from God, and they don't read his word. So the minute they face a storm and the prophet isn't there, they have nowhere to turn. If you're in trouble and you call your prophet and he doesn't pick, you will face disaster because you don't know God. Listen, I believe in prophecy. I believe in God's revelation. Give me a good prophecy every day of the week. I receive it by the power of God if it's God's word. I believe in the supernatural, but my faith is in God's word and in God's promises, and I'm building my life on him and his presence and his truth in my life. And if a storm comes, I'm preparing my heart by living by God's truth. Whether or not the prophet is there with me, I know I will prevail because Jesus is always with me. And God is speaking to you today. God is righteous. He will honor his word. For Hebrews 6.10 says, God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. God will not forget your labor of love. He promises to bless the righteous. So live in God's truth. Live prepared for the storm. Live in such a way that you can always call on God. Live in communion with him and he will reward you. That brings us to our third truth today. Participate in God's plan. Listen to how this story ends in verses 4 to 6. Hezekiah has put his hope in God's mercy. He surrendered his life to live in God's truth. And now God comes down to bless him. The Bible says in verses 4 and 5, Then this message came to Isaiah from the Lord. Go back. Everybody say go back. Go back to Hezekiah and tell him, This is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David says. I have heard heard your prayer and seen your tears, I will add 15 years to your life. Hallelujah. God tells the prophet, go back. I've changed my mind. Go back and give him a new word. Go back and reverse the death sentence. He's going to live another 15 years. But not only that, God reveals his plan for Hezekiah. Listen to verse 6. God goes on and says, I will rescue you and this city from the king of Assyria. Yes, I will defend this city. And understand today that God's mercy to deliver and heal Hezekiah was just the beginning. He didn't just raise him up. He wanted to raise up an entire nation. He said, I will rescue and defend this city. And in that declaration to Hezekiah, we see 
God's plan. You see, I'm here to tell you today, God doesn't just want to bless you. He wants to bless you, but he wants to bless others through you. That's why 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 4 tells us, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. So God rescues you. God delivers you. God comforts you so that you can go and rescue and deliver and comfort others. That's why being restored to life was just the beginning. Hezekiah acknowledged that God was giving him an opportunity not just for himself, but for his nation. That's why he said in the next chapter in Isaiah 38, 18 to 19, for the dead cannot praise you. They cannot raise their voices in praise. Those who go down to the grave can no longer hope in your faithfulness. Only the living can praise you as I do today. Each generation tells of your faithfulness to the next. And the amazing truth is this. When you participate in God's plan, it impacts your own life as well. By giving and serving and focusing outward, you help turn hopeless situations around in your own life. That's what we can learn from the amazing true story of John D. Rockefeller. John Rockefeller was the very first person in the world to reach the status of billionaire. At the age of 23, he had become a millionaire, and by the age of 50, he was a billionaire. Every decision, every attitude, every relationship was tailored to create his personal power and wealth. But at the height of his success and power, at the age of 53, John D. Rockefeller became ill. His entire body was racked with pain. He lost all the hair on his head. In complete agony, the world's richest billionaire could buy anything he wanted, but he could only digest milk and crackers. An associate wrote, he could not sleep, would not smile, and nothing in life meant anything to him. His personal, highly skilled physicians predicted John Rockefeller will die within a year. The year passed agonizingly slow. As he approached death, he awoke one morning with a vague remembrance of a dream. He could barely recall the dream, but he knew it had something to do with not being able to take any of his success or his money with him to heaven. The man who could control the business world suddenly realized he was not in control of his own life. He was left with a choice. So John Rockefeller called all his attorneys, his accountants, and his managers and established a foundation. He told them he wanted to channel his money into hospitals and medical research and mission work. And on that day, when he established his charitable foundation, he started pouring millions of dollars into charitable causes. This new direction eventually led to the discovery of penicillin, cures for certain strains of malaria, tuberculosis, and diphtheria. The list of discoveries from the things that were accomplished through John Rockefeller's charity is enormous. 
But perhaps the most amazing part of Rockefeller's story is that the moment he began to give back a portion of all he had earned, his body's chemistry was altered so significantly that he began to get better. It looked as if he would die at the age of 53, but John D. Rockefeller lived to be 98. Rockefeller learned gratitude and gave back from his wealth. And when he participated in God's plan to use his wealth to help others, he himself was made whole. For you see, God wants to do more than just heal you. He wants to heal you and use you to heal others. God wants to do more than just deliver you. He wants to deliver you and help you deliver others. He wants to make you whole. He wants to turn your hopeless situation around. And when you trust in his mercy, you can know for a fact that God will show you mercy. When you live in God's truth, you can know for sure that he will reward the righteous. And when you participate in his plan, he will turn your hopeless situation around and use you to restore others. He will bless you and cause you to be a blessing. For our God is the God of all mercy. He is the God of the impossible. He is the God of a living hope. And he will turn your your hopeless situation around and restore you today. If you believe it, say amen. Let me pray for you now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bring every hopeless situation to you. Every sickness, every disease, every marriage in turmoil, every prodigal son and daughter, every financial strain, every confusion and mental illness, every emotional turmoil, every dilemma of darkness, we bring it all before you and we cry out to you today, Lord, have mercy, have mercy. We turn our face to you. We turn our back to the world and its ways and we say, God, be merciful to us. Deliver us and heal us and follow Father, we ask you to cleanse us and forgive us and charge us today to walk in your truth. Give us a new spirit, a new hope, a new life, a new power, a new courage, a new favor, a new anointing to live in your truth. Lord, we want to participate in your plan. Help us not to just focus on our success, our career, our own academic achievement. Help us today, Lord, to realize that you have placed us here to participate with you as we walk in your truth and depend upon your mercy. So speak to us today to give, to go, to preach, to serve, to love, to help, to forgive, to encourage. Move on us today to offer the mercy to others that you've offered to us. Turn our hopeless situations around and use us to turn hopeless situations around for others. We thank you by faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Legon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.